Ephesians. Sermon tonight is called Forgive, Forget, Remember. You might think that all three of them at once. Well, no, you can do it in order. But I've preached this before, and I think it's apropos to do it again. We're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about forgiving other people. And why? Why should we? Anybody in here ever had anybody do you wrong? Did you know God knew it? He knew people would do you wrong. You know, one of the things I read that Jesus, that when Jesus was walking the earth, he was uh, shunned by men and he dealt with it in his own family. Imagine the world being mean to you and you're perfect. And, and you know, I mean, they're, they're not nice to us. Sometimes they're just mean and we did nothing wrong. Sometimes we deserved it. But nonetheless, people do stuff. I believe with all of my heart that unforgiveness is one of the ploys of Satan to get you out of the will of God. And when someone does you wrong, you can find a hundred reasons to bring the stoning law back in for a day. That Old Testament, let's just use a rock right here and we'll fix this problem. Amen. But anyway, no, we're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about um, walking with God and how important this is. Um, I wrote something today prophetically, and I just want to read it. It has nothing to do with my sermon. A pig will turn a mansion into a dump, but a king will turn a dump into a mansion. Your environment does not create joy you, you create your environment. You know, in society today, people think if my circumstances were only better, that's completely wrong. If you were better. Can you tell by riding by someone's house what the people are like that live there? You can. You can tell by looking at their car. Amen. You know, there comes a point, the, the, the closer you get to God, the less junk and trash and filthy stuff you have around you. It's just true. If, if Jesus lives in your house, I've got news for you. He's going to clean it up, polish it up, fix it up, and buy you some new furniture. He's just going to change things. So the real key to life is just draw, just draw near God. Worry about, don't worry about what everyone else around you is or isn't doing. But we have an idea that if we could just change the world around us, that's completely wrong. Just change you inside. Just get you growing inside. So in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 32, let me read this. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Before I go anywhere else, let me just read one more to you or quote it. In Mark 11.25, um, let, me, let me just go over there and read that. Mark 11.25, it says, if you have ought against any. Um, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may forgive you. I believe that the number one reason people don't get their prayers answered is right there. And I believe that Satan's number one ploy against you is to get you at odds with people. It is very difficult to be around a lot of people without there being friction 
and rubbing and issues. And, and I believe, now I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this out of a victim mentality. People have asked me, you know, so-and-so left the church, where did they go? And I go, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you the, 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 the primary reason. You forgot why, how you got saved. You forgot what he did for you. And you forgot that we're here to serve one another, not to be served. And, and if you forget it, then you're always looking for someone to bless you rather than to be a blessing. And, and I'll tell you, um, this is something that every one of us, we've got to start practicing walking in love and forgiveness because you're going to have all kinds of opportunities. Number one, there are people who do things to us and it's not intentional. They're really not trying to be jerks. And they are. And we get our feathers ruffled and that's a sign that you and I need to work on us. How well do you get along with hard to get along with people? Jesus loved the world. We're supposed to be loving the world. We're having a hard time just loving each other. Now I'm going to tell you something about God. He loves his kids. That would be you. And he loves people who love you. And he wants people to love you. So he puts us in a church together so we can grow up. Amen. So look at this scripture again. It says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So how did he forgive you? Number one, completely. But were you worth it? You're worth it, but did you deserve it? You didn't deserve it. He gave you something you didn't deserve. So we, many of us have a double standard. It's a standard we want God to love us as we are, but we don't want to love other people as they are. We want to love them as they might become someday when they're nice and fun to be around and when they like us. So there's a double standard that goes on, and God don't like it. So he puts in the end of prayer that if you have ought against anybody, and I'm going to tell you something, we need to take that into account. Ought means anything. Now that disqualifies about three quarters of the people most of the time. Brother Hagin made a statement. He said, if I find that my prayers are not getting answered, I'll always go back to my love walk and how am I, how am I do, doing with people? Your love walk is a reflection on you, not them. Amen. So when you say, I, I, you heard me say this a long time ago, and Lisa walked in and she should have stayed out a little longer. I told the Lord one day, I said, Lisa made me mad. And he says, Lisa can't make you mad. You got mad all by yourself. Now, she may have done something, but my being mad was my choice. I didn't have to get mad. If I can't control me, so I'm wanting everybody in the world to straighten up so I can have a good life. How many of you know that's not going to work? 
And how many of you know that marriages would last longer if you just learned to get along a little bit better and be a little more tolerant, a little more patient with one another? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Here's the definition of forgive. Dismiss, pardon, release, cancel the debt. Now, think about this. Do you want God to have a debt on you? You don't. Why do you have one? Why do you have a debt? Because, now here's why. I'm going to tell you why. Because we need to talk about it. We want them to not get away with it. You did it, and I'm going to forgive you, but I I don't want you to get away with this mess. Am I right? Well, you've gotten away with some stuff. God's more patient with people than you are, and we don't like it. That's why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He goes, I knew you were going to forgive them. I knew you were a merciful God, and I knew you weren't going to knock them out. See, he, did, he didn't care where they lived, die, sank, swim. He says, I want you to go preach to them. He goes, I don't care if they go to hell. I don't care what happens to them. And so that's why he left. He says, I know you. You're going to go over there. I'm going to preach. You're, you know, your judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. They're going to get down and, and pray, and you're going to get all mushy on me and, and forgive them all of their sins, and then I'm going to have to go back there, and, they, and they're going to call me a false prophet. All right, Romans 12. Forgiveness, when it comes to having a good life, is huge. I got that word from Trump. I like it. um, Romans 12, 9. Let's start. Let love be without hypocrisy, two-faced. Do you all know what a hypocrite is? It means two-faced. Where did it come from? Anybody know where it came from? Batman? No. It's not far off. You remember, the, you remember the Shakespeare? Remember the days of Shakespeare? Some of y'all, let me ask you anybody. Barbara, do you remember Shakespeare? Personally, you remember him personally? Where's Betty May? I was going to ask Betty May. She's not here. She's in the nursery. All right. During the days of Shakespeare, Shakespeare played all the parts. See, back in the, those days, one person put on a show. But he had mask, so it looked like this. Romeo, Romeo, where are you? I'm over here, baby. (laughs) And he had a mask that he put on depicting who he was playing. And that mask was called a hypocrisy. So a hypocrite is a person who has a mask on appearing to be something they're not appearing to be nice and you're not. So listen, he says, let not love be, don't be a hypocrite in your love. Abhor what's evil, cling to what's good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, give preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, patient in trouble, to continue in steadfast in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse. Why? Why? Because what you bless cannot harm you. Now let's go back over what forgiveness really is. Now you've heard this story before, but, and you've heard it said maybe a hundred times, so let's say it again. 
Unforgiveness is you taking poison and hoping the other guy dies. That's what it is. When you have unforgiveness, the person you're harming is you. Now, I'm going to prove that to you. Oh, I can't prove it to you, but I'm going to tell you a story. When, when I first met Lisa, my first wife gave me a lot of trouble for a while. And I got really angry and bitter. And I told the Lord one day, I said, if you brought back the stoning law, I'd knock her in the head and then we'd get forgiven. And I mean, I was that mad. I was so angry at how much trouble. I said, I gave you the papers, leave. Please leave. And, and, but it didn't happen right away. And, and it caused so much confusion in my home that I built up such an anger in me toward her. Now, I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm obeying God. And I got arthritis in my knees and my body so bad I couldn't walk. Lisa would remember I'd have to swing my legs out of bed in the morning. They'd plop on the floor, stand myself up, and I walked. I mean, the pain in my knees was excruciating. And I'm praying and asking God to heal me. And he's ignoring me. See, sometimes when you don't get your prayers answered, just go get your Bible out. Don't, don't keep praying and praying and praying about something and thinking that you're doing all that. And then one day you get mad at God like he let you down. He did not let you down. Go back and find out why you're not getting your prayers answered. So anyway, I went to God and I said, you know, what's happening here? What's the big deal? He said, Forget, I want you to forgive your ex. And, and I'm not going to tell you in public what I said. It was kind of like, no. And he said, well, get used to being, having a crippled body. So you understand, my unforgiveness was affecting me. It didn't harm her at all. And, I, and I'm really not happy about all this, nor did I want to just let her get off scot-free. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, you're going to pay, baby. So... But, but there's a scripture that says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So forgiveness is really an act of faith. You're not just ignoring the problem. You're actually giving it to God and letting him fix them his way. He loves them, but he will straighten them out. But you don't need to be playing God. And it's dangerous. It's very dangerous to play God. And if you come into a church in any length of time, someone in here will tick you off. If they don't, please come see me. You haven't met everyone yet. I mean, they're just people you hadn't met. Am I right? This is one of the reasons churches don't thrive because Christians don't believe they've got to walk in love and obey God. I mean, there, some people are the most touchy. I can't believe you said that to me. Well, believe it, I did. Amen. You know, if you're married any length of time, you're going to need to have some warm discussions And you better learn how to do it without running around being offended for three or four or five days. 
The cold shoulder is just as bad as screaming. Well, I ain't talking to you for a month. And yet, how often does that go on in our lives? Who, who are you hurting? You're hurting you. You're hurting you. Let me make a statement ahead of time. You're, you've got your thumb on something they've done that you do too. How do you justify that one? How do you point the finger without going... God's going, really? And who are you? All of us are, come on, y'all. I'm doing good. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, let me, let me show you what that looks like in real life. Let's talk about how that looks. Let's say that Frank and I have a falling out. And Frank is, is mad and I'm mad and he sits over here now and I sit over there and at the end of service he goes out the right door and I go out the left. That's not good. One of us is going to have to make a phone call and go, Frank, we need to talk. But you understand there's going to be blaming. But don't go quiet on me now. I mean, didn't when, when, when Adam sinned, he, he said, it's my fault. No. He went, yeah, it's me. No. Cain went, that's ah, my fault. No. When anybody's got anything wrong in their life, they always pass the buck. So there's going to have to be talk. And you might be, have to be willing to be mature enough to go, I'm wrong. Now, here's the point that I want to make. My friendship with him is more important than whatever we're disagreeing about. People to God are important. So Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, not the troublemakers. So a mature person is the one that goes and says, let's fix the relationship. That means that you might not be able to come to terms. Depending on, it might be something that we're not going to resolve this. There may be a separation of the ways. Okay? Depend, I mean, there's, there's been husband and wife situations where the husband's been out cheating on the wife. There, he's like, well, I'm not changing. There's going to be a separation. And there's people who get up and leave churches and stuff, and there needs to be a separation. But most of it's petty. Most of it is not worth fight. It's better to love than to be right. I know that sounds, listen, blessed are those who are the peacemakers. Work on getting along. Find common ground somewhere. You know, that... Now, I mean, everybody here talks about my personality. It's, it seems to be the prayer project of this church. And, and the problem is that it's tr it was true. Um, I, I have a bad habit of telling everybody how wrong they are when they're wrong. But then that causes you to not have a lot of friends. Since I'm the only one right. So... 
be hanging out with the Baptists, the Episcopalians, the Catholics, and the Pentecostals has been good for me because I've had to learn that my fellowship and loving sons of God that are all wrong because I'm right. Come on, y'all. Y'all are so hard. Everyone believes that. That's why I say that. Everybody believes they're right. That's a joke, but everyone believes they're right. So I believe I'm right. That's normal. Because if I believed I was wrong, I'd change. Okay. But, but friendship is more important than the, than the petty stuff that we fight over. You know, not every argument, not every battle is worth fighting. Not every argument is worth winning. Win the important ones. Save your fighting for what's big. There are things that Lisa and I look at each other and go, we will talk. We will talk about this one. We don't talk about everything, but there are some things we will talk about. And so it is with some people that I deal with on a regular basis. I've learned to just leave them to God and let God handle them and let them grow up. Um, people make mistakes all the time. Lay off of them. They don't need to know all that stuff. Okay. So a lot of that comes from, now listen to this. It says, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but give place to wrath. As it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That's a great scripture for when someone's doing you wrong. Go to God and go, I'm giving this to you and I know you'll take care of it. And you need to get your hands off of it for your sake. Because you need your prayers answered. You need your peace back. You need your joy back. And there's nothing more fun than blessing someone who's been ugly to you. They don't know what to do with it. They're ready for you to get upset. But when you're nice back, they go, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. Now, I'm going to read something in a book in a minute. And and it, says, do, it says, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. In so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his hand. Most of the people we meet every day are going through a problem. And a lot of times, their attitude toward you is not toward you. Let's say you walk into a restaurant and you walk up to the waitress. How you doing? Not good, but just what do you want? It's time to give her a big tip. I'm going to tell you something. Something's going on at home. I'm going to tell you a story right now. When I first got born again, there was a, a, a young man, and um, I'm not being racist, but I'm going to tell you, he was a black guy, and he looked like Sammy Davis Jr., and he had one eyeball that looked the other way. And I was like, where I couldn't tell whether he was looking at me because sometimes he looked at me like this, other times he looked at me like that. And he was a jerk. And I couldn't stand him. And I prayed for him. God, get him out of here. I don't want to be around this jerk. Anybody ever pray that? Oh, yeah, I've prayed a lot for people. It's one of the reasons why the church is so small right now. God, get all of it. No, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. I'm joking. So I really did pray that God would remove him from my, my presence. I said, you know, just, I mean, he had never had anything nice to say. And one day I was praying for him, and the Lord said, you wouldn't treat him that way if you knew what, what he went through in his life. And I said, I mean, I'm being a smart aleck. I said, what did he go through? He said, he... His parents left him with his aunt and uncle when he was a baby 
and no one, nobody wanted him, and he slept on the couch all of his life, and he always, he was, always had hand-me-down clothes. He's been kicked from family member to family member. He's never had love, and he's grown up bitter. And he rode down here from New York on a, on a Harley Sportster with no jacket. And the Lord said to me, have you noticed that he doesn't even own a coat? And I'm thinking, so? And when the Lord told me that, I really started having a heart of compassion. He said, son, he's had a very, very, very hard life. It's made him bitter. So I walked up to him one day and I said, you know, I don't like you much. And he says, Morgan, I don't like you. I said, but the Lord told me about you. And he said, what did the Lord tell you about me? And I told him. I said, he told me the, about your mom and your dad and how they, you know, they dropped you off at your aunt and uncle's. When you, There's no way to know this unless the Lord told me. And I, and I explained his childhood and his boyhood to him. And he sat there and, 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 I, and I said, I'm going to give you a coat. And he said, I want your coat, honky. I said, well, I want you to take it. I said, and I'm going to apologize to you for the way I treat you. I am wrong. Now, you know, that gets a sinner's attention. I said, I want you to get, I want you to, I have an extra coat I want you to wear. He took it and began to weep. And him and I became very good friends. Isn't it amazing what love? See, a lot of times we're, you, you, People are walking around with stuff. They're dealing with stuff. It, it's, it's a lot better to just be nice and err on the side of grace. Err on the side of mercy. Amen? Now, isn't that the way you want to be treated? Right? So I'm going to read something to you out of a book here, Mark Hankins' book. And um, it, it has really been quite a statement to me, and I've given this a lot of thought. Henry Drummond said, you will find if you think for a moment that people who influence you are people who believe in you. In an atmosphere of suspicion, men shrivel up, but in a trusting atmosphere, they expand, find encouragement and educated fellowship. The possession of it is the great secret of personal influence. Now, I'm going to tell you, I told you once before, but it bears repeating uh, again to say some things over. I had a friend in ministry that had a large church that said that I asked him to help me to become a better pastor. Well, he befriended me as long as I was able to help him. One day, I was unable I didn't have the ability to help him, and he cut the relationship with me off. Do you know how that feels? It's not the first time somebody's walked out on me. It don't feel good. And I knew I didn't do anything to deserve it, but I didn't like the feeling, and I kept thinking, why, why, are people, why do people act like this? All right, enter, let's say, Cindy Duval. Cindy Duval's known me for 30-something years. She knows my good, my bad, and my ugly. 
She's seen me good. She's seen me do stupid stuff. But her love does not change based on me making stupid mistakes. I began to watch how she treated other people and me, and I said, I like that. Don't y'all? That was when I first began to to learn what love is. See, we use the word love, L-O-V-E. It's hard to imagine what is this word, but it's do to others as you want them to do to you. How do you want to be treated? And think about that when you get around other people. Well, I noticed that I was more like the first guy that I didn't like. And I went, I will change. Mary friends, same way. Mary friend can say something to me and Lisa, more me, never Lisa. And she'll correct me. And then in two minutes, she's back treating me like gold. She didn't walk around with this attitude. She didn't treat you bad. She'll go, that's wrong. Don't do that. I said, okay. All right. And off we go again. Friends again. And, and, I, and, and again, I looked at her and I went, I like that. So I realized that what he said right here, listen to this again. You will find if you think for a moment, people who influence you are people who believe in you. Do you believe in your kids? Do you believe in your spouse? Do they know you believe in them? You ever told them you believe in them? Your kids need to hear it. Your spouse needs to hear it. You need to hear it. Now, you're waiting on God to tell you, but God's waiting on y'all to tell each other. I don't mean lie to people. If you walk up and say, oh, you're handsome, you're lying. But if you walked up and said, oh, you're smart, I know you're telling the truth. I got to have some fun. Listen to this. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best. Why is it so easy to find something wrong and to be mad about it for six months. It's very, I have friends that have just walked and I don't care how many times it happens, you never get used to it. So do you know how we handle it? We don't make friends. We we withdraw. And that's why people withdraw, because they've been hurt one too many times. But what if they met someone that loved them unconditionally? I love you. I ain't leaving you. Sometimes you're a jerk, but I ain't leaving. And you have a friend forever. That's church. That's Christianity. Jesus will never leave you. He don't agree with you all the time, but he ain't leaving. All right, let's let's read another one here. You ready? James chapter 2. Let's go to James 2. I had a boss in Tulsa. Oh, gosh, she was a mess. And the Lord is, this is the scripture he gave me with her one day. And, man, I had a time with it. And I finally, I, finally, finally, I started getting a handle on it. James 2.8. It 
It says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbors yourself, you do well. If you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Whoever shall keep the whole law and stumble in one point is guilty of all. He who said, do not commit adultery, also said, don't murder, said, don't commit adultery, don't murder, you become a transgressor. So speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Judgment is without mercy on the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So is sickness judgment? Yes. How do you get it off you? Be merciful. God is merciful. He's merciful to you. He, your whole salvation is mercy. It's 100% mercy. But what happens when, when he's merciful and we're not? Now we're taking the place of God. I'm going to read on. I'm going to read on. So how do you get back in health? How do you get back? You, you stop being judgmental and start being merciful to people who are not being nice. It's, it's a wonderful practice. And in, in, in this room, lots of people to help you with your practice. If not, I'll introduce you. James um, chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness and wisdom. If you've got bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, don't boast and lie against truth. This wisdom isn't coming from God. It's earthly, sensual, and demonic. You're walking around with a bad attitude all day. It ain't God. You're playing God. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I'm doing good. Let's read the rest of it. For where evil, envy, and self-seeking exist, confusion in every evil thing is there. Okay. So where are most of the trouble coming from? It's coming from us. We're creating it. Wouldn't it be nicer if we were just nicer? Where envy, self-seeking is this, confusion, every evil thing is there. The wisdom from above is pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's willing to yield. It's full of mercy, good fruits without hypocrisy. The fruit of righteousness is sown in those who make peace. In other words, people who are trying to make peace are going to be the healthiest people on the planet and the most prosperous people on the planet. See, you can't separate because faith works by love, doesn't it? So he's not talking about loving just God. He's talking about loving one another. He did love God. He ain't done nothing wrong. But it's hard loving people. And they do do things wrong. All right. Let's go to, let's go to another one. 4.11. Don't speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother is speaking evil of the law and judges the law. You're not a judge of the law. You're not even doing it yourself. <laughs> I see, sometimes we have to back up and go, well, you know, uh, I ain't any better. How do I want to be treated? This will help you be, be, because there's too much strife going on in the world to bring it in here. Don't bring it in here. Now, let me back up a minute and make a statement to you. I'm going to tell you a story right now. Let's pretend for a minute that, I'm going to use my wife. She's the good one, but I'll, I'll pretend like she's being a bad lady right now. Let's say when Justin was growing up, I took Justin out in a room and I said, Justin, 
what you just did with your brother is very, very wrong, and I'm going I'm gonna, to I'm gonna discipline you and take you in the room. I'm going to smack you. And I take him in the room and smack him. And then when he gets done, he runs to his mom. And she says, you know, he's always angry. What's she doing to him? She's destroying him. Because now he doesn't think about what he did wrong. He's thinking, dad's wrong. Why do most people blame God? Because it's hard for them to believe you might be wrong. In church, it isn't love when you side against the word. Are y'all listening? When, when, when someone has to say something to someone about their life, don't run along, put your arm around them and call that your, oh, you know how it is. They're, they're just, you're, you're shipping their saddle to the barn. Because without correction, you're not ever going to grow without, without, without correcting words, some scriptures, some sermon. So every time somebody gets their feelings hurt, you don't need to be running around hugging on them. And now that's, the, Brother Hagin told the story one time about a, a pastor who raised his kids the best he could. But at night, his wife would go in the room and open the window and let the kids run the streets at night because she didn't, she said, he's being too strict. Kids end up in reform school and penitentiaries and, and in jail. And it's the mother's fault. And see, this goes on in churches all the time, and we don't think about it. What we're calling, that's not love at all. Loving God and loving the Word is the same thing. You've got to love the Word of God. And you've got to love people enough that when they do wrong, you got to, don't shun them, don't kick them out, don't throw them away, but don't be afraid to look at them and go, well, I, I, I talk to a lot of men and, and, and I've had men come to me, my wife is this, my wife is that. And I go, well, we can't straighten her out yet until we get you straight. Yeah, well, I ain't doing nothing wrong. I said, well, you're deceived. And vice versa. I've seen some women that were, and the man was a good man, the woman was a hellion. Amen. That's good preaching. All right, Matthew 18. Am I going to get to my next two, Lisa Joy? She's wondering. This scripture right here has been like an anchor for me all of my life, and I'm not going to read it all. Um, 1821, Peter came and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times, Jesus said, don't say seven times, but 70 times seven. And the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle counts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle counts, one was brought to him, owed him 10,000 talents. That is 10,000 years wages. A talent's a year's wage. That's a lot of money. Now he's way over his head. And that was you when you got saved. And he was not able to pay it. Master commanded to be sold his wife and children and all he had in payment to be made. And the servant fell down and said, have patience with me and I'll pay you. First of all, he wasn't able to do it. And the master servant was moved with compassion, which is mercy, and released him and forgave him the debt. He canceled the debt. Say, that's me. That's us. That's the way God did us. Let's move on. 
The servant went out and found someone who owed him $18, laid hands on him, took him by the throat and said, you pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, says, have patience, I'll pay you all. And he would not and went and put him in jail. And, and when the fellow servants saw what had been done, they went and told the master and he called him in. Now listen to what he said, verse 33, should you have not had compassion on your fellow servant like I had on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Did you ever wonder what's wrong with some people? Has God turned you back over to the devil? Don't look at me. Yeah, he has. I don't mean that he's using the devil. He's just taking his hand off you. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Right? Amen? Are you all listening to me? He said, listen, I forgave you all that debt, and you're running around, and I mean, everybody you get around, you're, you're just ugly, you're just ugly. And my heavenly Father will do to each of you that does not forgive his brother their trespass. Folks, that's one of the biggest issues in church right now. It's a whole lot easier just to go, you know what? Maybe they didn't know they were doing it. Maybe they didn't mean that. But even if they did, bless them, Jesus. It's a whole lot better. It's a whole lot easier. And if there is aught, go find out why. Do your best to correct it. Do your best. If they come to you and say, forgive me, forgive them. Let it go. And number two, forget it. Number two is, number one is forgive. Number two is forget it. Go to Psalm 103. Number two, you need to, we need to learn to forgive people and cancel the debt. That means you're not trying to figure out how they're going to pay this back. Yeah. Let it go. Leave it alone. You're not God. Now, Psalm 103. Amen. It's a whole lot easier to live this way. Psalm 103, let's see where I want to start. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He was with us, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He'll not always strive with us nor keep us forever. He's never dealt with any of us according to our sins or punished us according to our iniquities. As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, has he removed the transgression from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. He knows our frame, remembers where dust. In other words, he forgives and he forgets it. He never brings up what you, you came and said, please forgive me. He does not bring it back up. He forgets it. Now, the devil is coming back to remind you of what they did. And you know, don't you remember what they did? Don't you remember what they did? Now, let's talk about feelings for a minute. As long as you're thinking about what they did, you're going to have bad feelings. Don't let your feelings rule you. If you'll start thinking good thoughts, you'll have good feelings. Now, you're going to have to start learning how to put it behind you. And let me tell you something. It's not always easy to do. Especially when they did it. It looks like they got the upper hand. It looks like you're going to suffer for it. But they killed Jesus, stuck him in a tomb, and he came back. They, Laban shafted um, his, his, um, jo uh, Jacob, and, and he ended up walking away with all of his money. People who harm you, you might end up with their house. You just, just leave it alone. Learn to just leave people alone and leave them to God. Because God knows what's, wrong. God knows what's going on. Just go, you know what? And I'm going to give this to you, Heavenly Father. And I've had people come back to me later and go, you know what? I need you to forgive me. I was wrong. 
Tom Copeland, my pastor, when, when I went through my divorce um, and, and I started dating Lisa, well, he kindly asked me to step down and it wasn't pretty. And he's been my friend for years. He's the old church of God. You know, I mean, to them, divorce is, I mean, that's, just, that's almost an unforgivable sin. Well, later he came back after Lisa and I got married and started pastoring. He came back and said, I, need to, I owe you an apology. I didn't treat you right. Well, he's on my board and we're good, close friends now. Just leave it to God. Don't get vindictive. Don't try to fix it. Just let God take care of this. You go on and enjoy your life because with unforgiveness, you're not going to enjoy it. All right. If you lost your joy, I'm preaching to you. In 1 Corinthians um, 13, um, finding satisfaction in the shortcoming of others and spreading an evil port rather than rejoicing in the truth, aggressively advertising the good, love bears all things, defend holding other people up, love believes the best about other and credits them with good intentions. It's a whole lot better to forgive and forget it. Now, I'm going to tell you something about my wife. She can forgive me, and in 10 minutes, she's fine. It takes me days. I don't get over stuff real quick. And she'll look at me and go, well, you better get over it, you know, now, I'm not talking about just her and I. I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. She's quick. She can get mad quick, too. She can get mad quick and get right with God real quick. I get mad slow, and it takes me months to get back right with God. I mean, I'm going to get right with God one day. I'll forgive him one day, that jerk. You know, I mean, I can't after I slap him upside the head a few more times, you know. Lisa said, amen, amen. All right. Now go to 1 Corinthians 11. That one was a short one. Get over it. Just get over it. When you have ought against someone, go back and fix it. Go fix it. First Corinthians 11. 23. This is a powerful scripture right here. I received from the Lord, which I delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, on the same night which he betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take thee, this is my body, the broken for you. Do it in remembrance of me. Why are we doing it? To remember what he did. You know how bad of a memory some of us have? It is true. We, we, we tend to forget stuff. Barbara back there is, is helping me with my book. And I'm going to tell you something that happened to me while I was writing it. I'm writing about when I got born again and all the things that God did. I would find myself sitting on my couch at home and bawling my eyes out reading my book. And I called Nancy and I said, is this normal? Am I losing it? She goes, oh, no. You're remembering what he did. And you have no idea how sometimes we need to go back and remember the last time he got you out of a mess. 
and the last time he answered a prayer and the last time he sent someone to minister to you and the last time he met a financial need of yours and when's the last time and you need to rehearse those things and and in the old testament they built altars in remembrance and they we have holidays to remember. Anniversaries are to remember what it was like when you first met and go back there and treat each other the same way. All of those things are to stir our memory. Sunday church is to remind us we didn't get here without him. We're saved by grace through faith. You are not supposed to be coming up with a new sermon for you every Sunday. Just get in here and remember God. You didn't get you where you are. He got you where you are. And sometimes just sitting back with, your, with people, it's the easiest thing in the world to do is to focus on the stuff they did wrong. They might have done 50 nice things and you're, lo- you're locked in on one thing they did to me and they ain't getting away with it. If you stop and think about all the good they've done, your joy would come back. So Jesus said here, he said, do it in remembrance. Right now, in this nation, we need to start remembering how good we have it. I mean, go home tonight and look at your kids and go, thank God, I've got healthy kids. And then look at your house and go, we we have AC. Man, we have food in the refrigerator. And I'm going to tell you something that's wonderful in America because we're always trying to figure out how to lose weight and everyone else in the world is trying to figure out where to get food. We need to remember the goodness of God, how good he has had on us. We have a very, we have it good. I got people that go to this church that are mad at me and I got them saved. They were on their way to hell when they met me. Where are they? Well, we didn't like that, sir. You big baby. I told my kids one time, and and I was right to do it. I said, I want all y'all kids to know that all of y'all are going to hell if it wasn't for me. Father's Day is coming up. (laughs) But it's true. So I got a $40 gift card instead of a $20. But I'm going to tell you right now, they're doing a lot better. They're doing a lot better than they were. But you know, we have a brain, and why not use it in the positive? Wouldn't it needs to be easier just to sit back and look at someone and go, you know, they're actually not all that bad. They're pretty, that's a pretty good person right there. I mean, I really like them, and they're faithful to God. They, they're faithful to church, and... And that's a, that's, a, that's a reflection on you, not them. You can find good if you want to find it. Now, I'm not talking about if he's beating you up. I'm not talking about if he's running around on you. There's, there's a point that you just, enough's enough. I'm not talking about finding good where there ain't any. <laughs> I'm looking for the good. I ain't found none yet. Okay. So, anniversaries are a day to remember. Memorial Day is a day to remember. Easter is a day to remember. We need to remember where he brought us and what he did. You need to remember 
how much your parents. Chase said to me one day, when she came over to the house, and it really touched my heart, and I never forgot it. She said, I never knew what you went through to get me where I am until I had kids. She said, I have come to tell you, thank you. You don't really have any idea what your parents, sometimes your parents just need a phone call and go, Mom, you're awesome. Thank you for being there. Thank you for all that you did. Because, I mean, she's, she's not 9 to 5. She's 24-7. That's you where you are. But those are things that we need, we need to remember. We need to use our memory instead of, instead of always focusing on the bad. I'm not saying we never fix bad stuff and we only think good thoughts and never a bad There are things that need to be dealt with, obviously, in America today. But I'm not planning on walking around depressed. I mean, worst case scenario, we're going home. <laughs> Glory to God, hallelujah. It says in Philippians, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go over there. It says, think, well, let's go over there. Philippians, think on these things. You choose, Philippians 4, choose what you're going to think about. Choose what you're going to focus on. The devil is going to bring up the bad. And he's going to talk to you about it. And you're going to have to resist him and go, no, I'm not thinking like that. I'm not going to think like that. I'm going to think on the good. And I'm going to tell you something. Now, let's talk about you for a minute. He's always talking to you about you. Can you think of anything good about yourself? You can. I'm not talking about a, 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 a weird self-love. But you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're growing. Frank said something in class last night, and I want to say it here. Sometimes you don't need a word of knowledge for people. Sometimes you just walk up and go, Barbara, you're a blessing. I love you. You're, you've been a blessing all of my life for years and years and years. And you're very special. What's wrong with that? No, I mean, do you think she doesn't need to hear that? She needs to hear it. Justin, I'm proud of you. You're doing fantastic. He is, isn't he? Yep. Well, see, in the world today, we're so accustomed to hearing the negative. What about at home? What's wrong with that person going out of their way and doing something for you and you recognizing it and going, hey, thank you for that. I noticed it. Makes the world a lot better, doesn't it? Yeah. So I, th I think my sermon tonight is, is forgive, forget, and remember. Choose what, we, choose what you forget. Forget the bad. Remember the good. And focus on it. Spend the time. When someone, especially in this church, ticks you off, it is a golden opportunity for you to be like Jesus and mature. Don't keep acting like the devil. Amen. Too many people pack up and walk out of churches because the church is imperfect. Who's the imperfect one? It's you. There aren't any perfect churches out there. That's about the most self-righteous I've, I've quit coming to this church many times. 
for like a day. Lisa made me come back. I told her one time, I said, I don't like those people. They don't like me. I ain't never going back to that church. She said, you have to. And I said, why? She said, you're the pastor. <laughs> Isn't this good? This is not a light subject. I'm, I'm, it's huge. I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm, I'm not trying to scare you. It's, it's a true story. There was a pastor in Africa, and he, um, he got very angry with his wife, and he kicked her out of the house. I mean, he literally threw her out of the house, wouldn't let her back in. And about a few days after that, she, he got in a car wreck, and he died. And his wife went and, they, and brought the body back to the church. He's a pastor of a church. And brought the body back to the church, and his wife got over to praying over. And in Africa, they don't take them off and embalm them. They just take them out and bury them. You know, they got so many days, and they just take them out and bury them. And she grabbed the body and took it to a Reinhardt Bonnke crusade. And they, when she got there, they told her, she said, you can't bring that in here. And so she, she got the ushers to stuff it in the basement of the church building he was preaching in. And he'd been dead for two or three days. And, and while he was preaching, he came back alive. And he was stiff. It took them about an hour to get him to get his joints back in his body. But he, he, he opened his eyes and said, freaked everybody in the basement out. Because they knew he was a dead guy. And, he, and he, he, he looked around and says, where's my paper and pencil? Jesus had been talking to him. An angel had been talking to him whenever, whenever um, Reinhardt was praying. And the Spirit of God came and brought his, him back out of, you know, back from the dead. Now, here's what the angel said because he took the pastor to heaven. And when we got to the gate, he looked at him and said, you can't go in. And he said, well, why can't I? He says, you have ought against your wife. You're not coming to heaven. Now, that doctrinally, I don't agree with that. It scared the heebie-jeebies out of me, though. And I asked myself, why would he lie? Did he lie? No, he didn't lie. Well, him and his wife have a ministry traveling around teaching people forgiveness. His the pastor of a church died with unforgiveness in him and was not going to heaven. So how, what do we do with that scripture? So shall your father. There, there's just too many people running around mad over nothing. I was talking to a lady one day and she said, you don't know what it was like to live in the 60s. And I said, we're not in the 60s. She was talking about being made to ride on the back of the bus. And I went, get over it. I didn't put you on the back of a bus. Lighten up, lady. And she's mad at me. I was eight. Now, y'all understand, and I'm going to say this, and just hold on. Every... Every Black History Month, don't go home and watch Mississippi burning. You come back to the church, you're going to be mad at everybody for a week. I was mad. I watched it. It made me mad. And I'm a white boy. 
You can't keep watching that mess and rehearsing something that happened 50 years ago and running around upset all the time. That's the only person you're harming is you. If someone did you wrong last week, get over that too. <laughs> Just get over it. This is good, isn't it? Jesus said they'll know us by our what? Yeah, he wasn't talking about sweetness. He's talking about the way we treat one another. Believe the best, hardly notice, keep no record of wrongs. This is not easy to do. That's why, that's why I'm, that, you saw me pick this book up half a year ago. I'm still working on, I got into page four. I'm just now over here. No, not really. I've actually read the whole thing through a few times. But every once in a while, I walk through the living room, Lisa lays it back in front of me. And, no, she doesn't really. I'm teasing. That's not true. That's not true. But I'm, not, I'm finding it not the easiest thing to do. Um, I think it was Elvira. I asked her this when she came. I says, have I gotten? She says, yeah, you've gotten a lot nicer lately. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And I have. I've gotten nicer. I've gotten nicer. I'm not finished yet. Lisa's still working. I've gotten nicer. Now I'm working on y'all. Are y'all ready to pray? How many of y'all right now, you're thinking, I got some people I need to get them. I need to pray over some stuff. That is Satan's number one tactic against you. And then if it gets into bitterness, I have never seen, every time I've ever seen cancer, I always see bitterness. I know a lady. I won't mention her name, Lisa, don't worry. Everything's going good. She had a fight with her husband, and boy, I mean, it was a knockdown drag out. And, and within a year, she was dead of cancer. I know another lady got kicked out of her church and went out and got in disobedience to God and got bitter. And, and her husband went off and, and it was on a mission trip and he died. Well, she got home and she got into so much grief. She got cancer in a few months, she died. Folks, what's going on in you affects you more than you think it's affecting you. You take care, guard your heart. If there's something you need to fix, I mean fix it. Go get it right. You ready to pray? Father God, I, I, I got up here and had a, I took the scriptures, took the word of God, I believe you gave me tonight. And these people, and all of us have been very receptive to this. All of us need this. I need this. We all need to hear this. I mean, more maybe every, every few months, just a good sermon on forgiveness. You said in Mark eleven twenty five, it affects our prayers. You, you said in, in Matthew, it may affect eternity. And Father, you told us to love those blessed people. Sometimes we find that difficult to do. But you said we're to love as you did. If you loved us unconditionally, we can do the same. I pray that every one of us in this room will start working on this. Father, as far as remembering, I pray that every one of us in this room will go home and go back over our minds the things you have done 
and bring back the goodness that you have done in our lives and bring it back to remembrance. And the people around us, they have been a blessing to us. Maybe some of them need to hear some words from our mouth. How we appreciate things people have done and said and got us where we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sometimes when I get around people like Mary Fran, I'll stop her and I'll go, thank you for all you've done to, with Lisa and I. When I get around Mark Hankins, I go, thank you. Thank you for, for pouring into us. Be willing to look at people and tell them thank you. They're still people. They still need to hear a good word. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.